Okay, Father, this is one of the tough subjects. And we just ask for your help. We ask you, Lord, that we can relax as a group of people together. Help me to relax, Father. And Lord, you have something to say to us today. You call us to live victoriously, Lord, and to shine your light in a world that is dark. And Father, we want to know how to do that. And we want we need to know some practical things. And you're talking to us today. So, Father, I pray that you'll help me to speak clearly, that you'll open our ears to listen to what you are saying to us by the power of your Holy Spirit in the mighty name of Jesus. Yes. Amen. Amen. Okay, the tough questions. And I noticed a lot of people did a runner. But the question, we're looking at the big questions that Jesus answers. And the question we're looking at today is, how do we live victoriously in a pornographic age? And you might say, well, how can I call this a pornographic age? It's a digital age. Ask the young people. It's a digital age. And there's great advantages. Mark was saying on Friday night, we can go online, call up a search engine, archaeological evidence for the Bible. And here's hundreds of references that we can pursue. I like shopping online. I don't like real shops. I can go online and in half an hour find exactly what I'm looking for, type in a magic number, and then it arrives in the post a week later. That's, there are advantages to the digital age. But one of the disadvantages and one of the challenges is that the digital age has released a flood of pornographic material on basically on people, on population. There are teenagers today, millions of teenagers, who are actually going to the internet to pornographic sites. Why? Because they're curious about sex. People are not talking to them about sex. So what do they do? They go to the websites for the information. And the pornographic people are more than happy to provide our young people in the day and age that we live in with information. And I tell you what, the pornographic, pornography is actually not sex education. Young people, it is not sex education. It's actually sex miseducation, which is marketed for financial gain. There is multi-million dollar, billion dollar industry in pornography. So as Mark was saying, or he implied, smart people do not talk about such subjects. It's embarrassing. I, I, I feel a bit awkward and you probably feel awkward listening to me. Like when I grew up, when I grew up, when David and I got married, we were in our 30s. And back then, many, many, many years ago, you said, I do at the altar. Then you walked into your bedroom and shut the door. And if you ran into problems in your bedroom, that was it. You sorted it out or you didn't sort it out. You didn't say to anyone, we're having issues. And the funny thing is, the world has got so free in so many things. And yet we got the same taboo in the church today. In fact, it's so bad that Mark has got an ambulance on standby outside because he says, if I talk about taboo subjects, you are going to make me bleed. Oh. Whoa! And we actually have a word from Jenny on the subject. She said, do not bleed on the carpet. Don't make a bleed on the carpet. Any bleeding outside on the grass. But you see, it's, it's a challenge, isn't it? And we live in this digital age and there are millions of teenagers who, by the way, are part of our mission field who are getting their sex education from pornographic websites. And I'm going to look today at some of these things. So 
Right. So you see, as God's people, we can either say it's all too difficult and hide our head in the sand and not speak up, which would be my preference. I was saying before, Mark's talking about jail. Jail looks good to me right now because speaking up can be very, very challenging. So as God's people, we say, well, are we going to speak up? Are we going to look at these issues? Are we going to say what are God's answers for the world in which we live? And we need to know what's going on. And here's the thing. We have access to pornography within a device. It sits on our hip pocket and 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Some people, they have this thing built in. I'm sure their flesh is cut open and their, their phones are in there. You go to bed at night. Some people take their phones to bed with them. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, there is access, if, if access is required, to pornographic websites and to the internet. And that's a scary thing. But you know what's even more scary? You don't actually have to go looking for pornography. Pornography comes looking for you because there are people out there making big bickies out of it. The world we live in is increasingly dark and evil. And you and I, God calls us to be lights. Okay. So, what is the difference between God's plan for sex and pornography? Is there a difference? What's the difference? Now, God's plan for sex. One of God's plans for sex is producing children. So, it started with something simple. Genesis 2.24 For this reason, a man will live, leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become one flesh. Okay, that's pretty simple, isn't it? Genesis 1.28, be fruitful and increase in number. So when we get married, then children come. There's this increasing in number that takes place. Now, the other thing about sex, or another thing, sex is actually God's gift to us for pleasure. And I looked at Proverbs 5.18-20. It says, may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. Be exhilarated always with her love. It actually says a few other things as well, and I am not going to read them to you. (laughs) Song of Songs says some other things, and I am not going to go there. You want to know how hot a subject sex is from God's point of view? Search it out yourself, because I want to maintain a little bit of privacy here. (laughs) But you see, when children come along, this is one of the things about... Sex, you have to fit it in to real family life. Now, God's plan for sex, it has a boundary, and that boundary is marriage. God makes it very clear in his word, sex fits in marriage. Marriage is the boundary for sexual activity. And marriage, one of the things you learn when you get married, marriage is actually a test of character. It's no easy street. I sometimes wonder if, God puts sex in there, not just for producing children, but so that we can last the distance. So, okay, there are bound to be, there are so many things I say that will have double meanings. So, not because I intend to, but because, you know. So, you see, God's plan also has limits for sex. And I call those limits real life. See, what happens is, Oh, 1 Corinthians 7 verse 3, it says the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. Isn't that lovely? And the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. But in real life, what does that actually look like? 
you've both been at work and you come home, you're really tired and your youngest child has a vomiting bug and you have to deal with the child's vomiting, cleaning it up, trying to settle the child. Now, your second child, unfortunately, a very, very grave situation arose. You wash the only toy that that child will go to bed with. The clothes dryer chose today of all times to break down. The only toy that child will go to bed with is soaking wet. So what is going to happen? You offer the child a substitute. We all know no child is going to accept a substitute. So you now have child number two is very distraught because it hasn't got its favourite toy. Child number three has just gone out in sympathy. So you have a cranky child, an upset child and a vomiting child. But you know when you're married, you have to actually sometimes, particularly with children, schedule sex. Okay, because otherwise it doesn't happen. And tonight, tonight, with all of this going on, we have scheduled sex. Well, not me, I no longer have the children, but so what happens? You go, you go to your bedroom, the two of you, you're totally bushed, you've got one ear listening for the vomiting child, somebody else you're listening for the cranky child, the other child every now and again, wah, wah, because it wants its toy. And you are supposed to meet one another's sexual needs. Like, dream on. The wife, the wife's thinking, I definitely got a headache tonight. And, and the husband's thinking, oh, don't even go there. So you see, marriage is a test of character. And will we or won't we? Who knows? Because we are leaving that scene now. So it's, basically, it's a little bit like you and I are red Ferraris. Red Ferraris. We've got this beautiful nature God gave to us. And a red Ferrari has two things. It has an accelerator and it has a brake. Now you and I are born with the accelerator. You've got a baby. Baby, the baby gets hungry. So what does the baby do? The baby cries. When the baby cries, we feed the baby and then the baby's happy. But what you put in one end of the child, it comes out the other end. So then the baby gets uncomfortable. The baby cries again. So we meet the needs of the baby. So this baby is programmed. It's operating on this, what I'm starting to call the feeling part of the brain. Or have I jumped ahead? No, I've jumped ahead. So this baby, it's operating in, with feeling. It's operating with the accelerator. The accelerator says, you know, this, I've got a need and I go this here and this needs met. And it's a very automatic sort of thing that's happening. But you see, we do pass from childhood to our teenage years. We have this fabulous red Ferrari. Our hormones start to kick in. So the red Ferrari is getting more powerful, it's getting more demanding, the engine's revving. Mark feels if we don't laugh, we're going to die this morning. (laughs) So Mark is doing the backup here. God gives us, this is actually very beautiful and I didn't think it up myself. God gives us with a desire and a drive that draws us naturally and affectionately towards the opposite sex, towards marriage and towards family life. Isn't that beautifully said? So these hormones, this drive, are actually a gift of God to us that draws us to marriage and child care and producing children. So we have this beautiful thing that God set in place. So we've got the red Ferrari, we've got the accelerator, and this is actually, I want to just mention the feeling brain. It's actually only part of the brain. But this feeling brain that we've been talking about It has a bit of a shortfall. See, it's a great automatic thing, 
But the feeling part of our brain doesn't tell right from wrong. It just says, I want it, I want it, I want to go for it, and there's this urge, go, 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 go. But in relation to marriage and sex and lots of other things, God actually says, wait. For sex, wait. Wait until you're married. Wait. And there are many things God says, wait on. So we've got this feeling brain that's like the accelerator. No break. Where, where on earth do we get the power to wait from? Where does it come from? So we also have a break. A break. But the thing with the brake is we're not born with the brake operating. This is the frontal lobe of the brain, the decision-making part of the brain. And as parents, we actually train our children. Our children copy us. The children learn things. So this frontal part of the brain is actually where the brake is. It's, in, it's, it's there. This is the part of the brain, the part of your brain that can say, wait. So the frontal lobe has heard the word of God. And the word of God says, sex belongs to marriage, wait. And it's your feeling brain is saying, I want it now because it feels good, it sounds good. But the frontal lobe of the brain says, no, wait. And this is a really big issue. I've chosen to talk about feeling and thinking brain. This is a really big issue for us in the age that we live in. And we'll come back to that again. So what is pornography? What is pornography? Pornography is the red-hot Ferrari with your foot on the accelerator and you ripped out the brake and you threw it away. Just give me what I want, meet my needs, satisfy me. Brake. They ripped the brake out and they threw it away. What else is pornography? Pornography is the digital version of Proverbs 7. I love this Proverbs. The man says, I noticed among the young men a youth who lacked judgment. So this young man, he lacks judgment. Frontal lobe of the brain, not mature, not fully developed. Okay? And then the woman comes out, she's dressed like a prostitute, leads him astray, nice words, and he just follows her and it says all of, the, all of a sudden, all at once, he follows her like an ox going to the slaughter. And the Bible says, little knowing it will cost him his life. So this young man has not hidden the word of God in his heart. This young man has no reference that says, if you walk down prostitute alley or if you walk down pornography alley, it will cost you your life. He has not hidden. And the greatest safeguard we have today is to hide the word of God in our heart. So pornography is actually, we're going to look at this a little bit, very, very harmful to adults which is something that I think even the world maybe is starting to recognise. But pornography is even more harmful to children. And why is that? It's because the brain of the child is undeveloped. The frontal lobe of the child is still developing. And this is a process that takes time. So children are particularly harmed by exposure to pornography. What else do we know about pornography? Pornography is sin. We need to know as Christians exactly where we stand on this issue and where God stands. Because if we talk openly to people around about us, we'll encounter this. Matthew 5, 27 to 30, it says, Jesus said, You have heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully, 
pornography fits right in there. You look at, you're looking at the screen, lusting, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And Jesus said, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. Isn't that an odd thing for Jesus to say? He said, it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. And what, Je- what is Jesus saying? Do we literally have to gouge an eye out? No, I think what Jesus is saying is this is a very, very, very serious issue that has eternal consequences and you must give it the most serious regard. Amen. So you don't mess with this thing. That's the word of Jesus. Pornography. It's any material showing the human body or sexual conduct in a way that arouses sexual feelings. Now, like this Supreme Court judge said, he's talking about hardcore pornography and he's saying it's hard to define, but I know it when I see it. And the trouble today is there are millions of teenagers and older people who are seeing it all over the place. Basically, on a device they carry in their hip pockets. And you and I as Christians need answers for this. So, what is pornography? Is sex by yourself? Sex without limits. Sorry, I've got a misprint there. Sex outside of God's protection? Sex with no one to love you back. You know in pornography, nobody loves you back. There's no relationship with a real person. I can't imagine anything more desperate than that, that there's no one to love you back. One of the things I love about life with David is you've got a best friend who loves you back. He sticks by you through thick and thin. But pornography, nobody loves you back. And sex with no necessity to consider the needs of your partner or family. In real life, our partners, our family get needs and we have to live sacrificially. With pornography, you don't have to consider that. It's just all about you. So pornography, it's a lonely thing. It's a selfish thing. And pornography is opposed to everything for which God created us. God created us for relationship. God created us for marriage. God created us to relate to him. God created us to be part of a body. And pornography is an alone thing. And it's abomination in the eyes of God. And pornography causes damage. You're really going to have to laugh over this slide. Things like addiction, erectile dysfunction, that's a good one. Depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, dissatisfaction with real relationships, unhealthy expectations for sex, and it can lead to divorce. We're just very briefly going to look at three of those. So pornography causes, I'll put down there, an inability to have a meaningful relationship with the opposite sex and with depression. Now, where does that come from? 90% of the pornography... It includes violence towards women or women being violated. So what happens to boys who are looking at pornography? What do they learn about girls? They learn that girls, because you keep watching, looking with your eyes is a very, very powerful form of learning. And you add sexual arousal to looking with your eyes and you're on a really strong learning curve. So the boys are learning that girls want to be treated violently. And let me assure you that girls do not want to be treated violently. Girls want to be treated with kindness, with respect, with tenderness, with empathy. That's what a girl wants. So the boys are learning totally the wrong thing. 
But what about the girls? What are the girls learning? If you look at a pornographic video, there's something that you learn. You are looking at an actress or actresses and actors, a whole stack of them, and they have been surgically enhanced. Their bodies are surgically enhanced. And not only that, it's a movie. It looks real, but it's a movie. And the whole thing is photoshopped. So you look at these perfect women, you know something? None of us, real women, have perfect bodies. And that is actually okay. It's what's in our heart that is the issue. So girls learn the wrong thing as well as boys when they look at pornography. And I tell you what, when you look at this and you've got these expectations, I have to have a perfect body like all these actresses in the movies. You know something? That's the road to depression. And what about the boys who get to an age where they can't, they've got totally the wrong expectations about what a girl wants. They haven't learned about women and how to respect women. That's very depressing because there's no girl worth of salt is going to get involved with a guy who's going to treat her with violence. I mean, one of the things that, that the girls learn, you look for someone to treat you with respect. Okay, so I want to talk just briefly. God, uh, pornography can cause addiction and erectile dysfunction. That's from the boy's point of view. It can cause similar sorts of issues for girls because there's a brain-body connection. Now, if you build a house, you wire electricity into that house. But electricity is a potent, dangerous sort of thing. So when the house is wired, what has to happen? There has to be safety switches. There has to be switches that turn the electricity off. I think all the children are gone. If you stick a fork into an electric socket, bang, the safety switch will operate. And so you have this safeguard in place so no one in the house gets electrocuted. Now, when God made the human body, God actually wired our brains He wired our brains to operate in a certain way. And I can talk with some authority about that because when I was growing up, my brain was not wired. I came from a position of emotional abuse. My brain was not wired to trust people or to love people. And so there's this very deep thing that gets written into the brain. The brain gets wired in a way that's not what God wants. And with pornography, the same thing happens. God wires our brain to operate Within sex is within marriage. And sex in marriage, sometimes it's great. You know, sometimes it doesn't even happen when it should because, you know, life happens. It's real life. Sometimes it's fabulous. Sometimes, you know, it doesn't work so good because you're so stressed by what the kids are doing. So in real life, sex operates basically within this parameter of marriage. But what happens with pornography? Pornography has got nothing to do with real life and real people. All you're after is the thrill. So you get this high thing that happens, followed by a low, which is your depression, because that's the way it is. There's no one around. You're not sharing your life. So you've got these highs and their lows. But what happens here? You see, God did not wire our brain for highs and lows. And the brain has built-in protective mechanisms. So the, what, basically what the brain does, it blows a fuse and it blows another fuse. The receptors in the brain that register the pleasure, they disengage because your brain is not wired to handle that degree of overload, overload, overload. And this is where addiction comes from. What, what causes addiction? 
you get hooked on the pleasure and so you want that pleasure but your receptors in your brain are disengaging and you can't get it. You can't get it. So what do you do? You do it more often, more often, more often. You move from softcore to hardcore pornography because you're trying to get the thrill back but your brain is protecting itself as God made it to do and it's disengaging, disengaging. And this is where addiction comes into play with pornography because you're not having the satisfaction of interacting with a marriage partner who's a friend. Uh, you're not sharing your lives together. It's just you in a room. Very, very sad situation. Okay, so I just want to look in closing today. How does pornography and the digital age affect our children? And you might... Oops, okay, I can't go back. How does pornography, how does it affect our children? And probably much more than most of you would even want to consider. Where can my child be exposed to pornography? And I've got here pretty much any time. You might have a favourite uncle with an iPhone. Uh, filters fail. I was talking to a friend of mine who's a school teacher. She teaches primary school children. And she told me, she goes in the class one morning, she's got the computers on, the kids are there, and she's just getting slightly organised. And then she realises what the children are watching on the computer. And she said, it's pornographic pornographic material and she said to me she was distressed she said you would have thought the school filter would be adequate and that these children would not be exposed but they were exposed to it and I'll tell you something those children did not get a letter home to their parents saying today your child was exposed to pornographic material and it can be very very distressing for a child so here's these children where's their protection where's their backup do you know what it says on the education websites it says it's not a matter of if your child will be exposed to pornography, it's a matter of when. So you don't have the protections. And Facebook, you know Facebook has a no porn policy. And obviously little children are not on Facebook, but grown-ups are, their older brothers and sisters are. I've had to withdraw from two of my favourite Facebook groups in the last couple of weeks because of pornographic material. Now, they had nothing to do with pornography. One of them was a gardening site. But some bloke posted this picture. It was a bush track. You can always get me with a bush track. But here's this guy with, with no clothes on walking down the bush track. And I'm, what is going on here? I paused long enough to just make sure that the administrator was not going to delete it and the administrator did not delete it. And I thought, right, I'm out of here. What did Joseph do when Potiphar's wife came out of him after him? She was out of there. He was out of there. And Paul said to, to Timothy, flee useful lusts. And this guy, I noticed before I left, he made a comment about if you're offended, too bad. And I thought, you know something? The problem is not that I'll actually be offended. I may be female and I may be old, but I'm still alive and the problem was that I would be attracted and that I would want to go back for another look. And I'll tell you something, it took me, it's taken me weeks to get that picture out of my head because it's like glue. And when we look at the information on pornography, it says seconds count. You've got to get out of there and you've got to get out of there fast. So how do we porn-proof our children? We live in a day and age where to pawn-proof our children is vital. And the filters will let you down, 
but nevertheless, we must use filters. Filters, open door policies, physical presence of parents, spot checks, technology, free days. Because the reality is the longer you can keep your children from being exposed to pornography, the more their brains develop. And the best thing we can do, it's critical that we do everything we can do to keep our children safe and give their brains time to mature. But another way that we can porn-proof our children, the research shows very clearly that children and young people who get answers from their parents at early ages are usually the ones who avoid sexual experimentation, and that includes pornography. We must talk with our kids as we've never needed to talk to our kids before. It needs to be a subject that we can be open about. So we have to raise the subject, and it's awkward. I mean, we're all a little bit awkward today. And we want to make these conversations seem natural and relaxed. How do we do that? I actually, I ordered this from America. I, found, I loved it. Good pictures, bad pictures. Porn proofing today's young kids. This is an excellent book. It's something you can use with your children pretty much of any age. You can talk together. They're presently working on a, one of these directed towards three to five-year-olds. Now, these people who wrote this haven't written it from a Christian perspective. They're professional women who acknowledge there's a problem and that our children will walk through life in a much safer, more secure way if we have prepared them. And it's simply talking about good pictures. This is a good picture. This is a picture of Jade being happy in one of the circumstances of life. There are good pictures that help us feel good about life. And there are bad pictures. And we can talk to our children about these issues. And this is a great resource. It's just joined the church library. I'm going to get another copy for myself. Okay. So we need to equip our children with strategies. What can you do? What can your child do if they see pictures that are bad for their brain? I saw a picture on Facebook. It was bad for my brain. So... This is just a little can-do. Your child can do this. I can do this. You can do this. It's not complicated. The first thing is close my eyes immediately. Bad picture comes up on the screen. Close your eyes, turn away, click the off button. That's pretty simple, isn't it? But we can actually teach our children. Here's a strategy. Here's something you can do. You're not at the mercy of these things. And we can talk to them about bad pictures. They're like poison. It's one of the illustrations they use in here. It's like rat poison. And we can teach our children. We must not leave our children defenceless. Always tell a trusted adult. So we teach the children. Talk to us. If you don't want to tell mummy and daddy, I saw a bad picture today, they can write a little note to you. So this is a principle of walking in the light. Talk to a trusted adult. If as adults we have a problem in this area, we need to go and talk to someone we can trust. Name it when I see it. Now, that's an interesting one, isn't it? But the brain is better able to reject bad pictures when you know the proper name for bad pictures, which is pornography. So we can teach our children younger than we might think they need to be taught. And then distract myself. Best thing you can do, we can pray, we can jump in the shower and sing choruses, we can go and play in the garden, ride a bike, climb a tree, 
But if we're having trouble with pictures in our brain, distract ourselves. Talk to God about it. And oh, order my thinking brain to be the boss. So we do not want our feeling brain that says, I want to look at that picture again. Because there's an attraction. Think about pornography. There's attraction and repulsion. Attraction and repulsion. They're mixed things. We do not want our feeling brain to be the winner and say, I feel like doing it, so I'm going to do it. God gave us a thinking brain and we can tell our thinking brain to be the boss. And the boss says, I'm not looking at those pictures. Okay, so we live in the digital age. It's the pornographic age. And pornography and God do not mix. Pornography is sin and God is holy. And to live victoriously, every age we're in, God calls us to live victoriously. He calls us to shine his light in the darkness. He calls us to have answers for the millions of teenagers who are hooked on pornography. And there are two things to live victoriously that we need to know. We need to know how to live lives ourselves that are clean and free of pornography. And we also need to know how do we porn-proof our children so they can walk with confidence and security in this ungodly age. And some of you young people, you're trying your wings at the moment, but you know, a few years down the track, you'll be holding your baby in your, in your arms and it grow, the need to protect our children, it's a growing need. It's a need that each one of you will face. How can I keep my children safe? How can we as a church of God keep our children safe? And one of those things is to have information. Right. Father, we just thank you that you do not bury your head in the sand. We thank you, Lord, that you call a spade a spade. We thank you, Lord, that you have called us as your people to live victoriously in this age in which we live. And Lord, we thank you that you have called us to shine your light, Lord, in the middle of Millions of people who are struggling with issues of pornography and addiction. You cause us to be, call us to be men and women who have searched your word, who understand what you are saying to us, who know how to stand for the truth and speak up for the truth. Right into the heart of the situation that this generation faces. We thank you, Lord, that you equip us, that you love us. We thank you, Lord, for the strength, your strength and the confidence we can have in you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.